talking NFL draft lots of geek stuff going on as well well NFL draft is kind of geeky but if you're really into it but first and foremost I want to introduce the panel today we got Russ with us how are you doing Russ I'm good to be back on this podcast all right let's get rolling we got Chris with us how are you doing Chris good good well it's good to have you all back good to be doing this again but Found out some sad news, some really sad news. Prince, he passed away, and they really don't know what happened yet. A lot of people are suspecting it was an overdose, but I just wanted to mention that, and 2016 has been a hell of a year for losing musicians. I've seen a a tweet out that the author of 2016 is uh, George R.R. Martin. I tend to agree. Tend to agree. Um, but yeah, let's just go around here real quick. Russ, what's your first memory of Prince? Uh, probably watching MTV in the early to mid '80s, uh, right when MTV was brand new, and uh, had a very he had a very prominent uh, spot there. A lot of music videos like uh, "Purple Rain," "Little Red Corvette." Um, it's he's definitely uh, one of the more um, what's the word I'm looking for? One of those figures you're going to think about when you think about music from that era, uh, especially people that are around my age in their early 30s or so. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Prince for me, first time I saw Prince was uh, the Purple Rain movie. My dad introduced that to me at a young age. Probably one of the only movies with uh, like. <laughs> nudity that I was allowed to watch when I was that little because it was Prince and Prince is just was a badass back then and still was up to up to his death um, but yeah Prince has always been a part of my life musically and just the movies he did and and another thing that always comes to mind when you think of the 89 Batman you almost always think of Prince because of all the music in there and so yeah it's a He'll be missed. We missed quite a bit, and it's been kind of crazy to see all the tributes that were going on. Lots of buildings were lit up purple around the world. Even Niagara Falls was purple. Yeah, Um, that's crazy. Just crazy stuff. They're showing purple rain around the uh, country this week and this weekend and theaters again. And I don't know. It's just been a hell of a time. I mean, it's just, yeah, people die every day, but not people that influence so many people every day. You know, it's a heck of a loss. So what was your first memory of Prince, Chris? 
just want, like you mentioned, the uh, Batman '89 bat dance and Joker dancing to the song. Yep, <laughs> such a not, not his best work, but <laughs> no, not not by far. But yeah, I've been I've been forcing people to listen to Prince at work. Or <laughs> I mean, it's, what's funny is a lot of people don't know much Prince at my work, and I'm just like, who are you people? How do you not know this? How do you not know Morris Day in the Time and it's all this stuff. It's it's kind of weird being one of the only ones at work and being one of the youngest ones at work and people, they still don't know Prince. So anyway, he will be missed and it's going to be a heck of a time um, seeing what they're going to do about all that music that's in those vaults. According to some stuff I read, there's over 2,000 songs that have never been heard really? in, in a vault and that if they wanted to, the estate could release an album, one album per year for the next century. Now, I'm sure a lot of this is hyperbolic, but I bet you there's some good stuff locked away in the vault. There are even fully produced music videos that we've never seen or heard of songs. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that stuff. I don't know what's going to happen. I was also reading a report that there's no will, so going to be kind of a mess. Wow, that, that's going to be crazy then. That's like yeah. he's locked up in litigation for years. <laughs> yep. So, I think Prince is going to stay relevant for a long time if they release that stuff. And even if they don't, still be a heck of a uh, milestone for him. All the stuff that he was able to accomplish. But, let's move on to another topic here. Another topic at hand is um, that we're going to really try and get into today is the 2016 NFL Draft. We've been thinking about it as Cowboys fans. Well, probably ever since Tony Roma got hurt again on Thanksgiving Day against Carolina. And Cowboys ended up with the number four pick in the draft. And we've done our little mock draft simulators, followed all the other mock drafts out there. But now, come Thursday night, we're going to see it. It's going to happen. And I'll defer to you, Russ. Who do you see the Cowboys taking at number four? I'm going to go uh, just gut pick. I'm going to say Ezekiel Elliott is going to be the Cowboys selection at number four. Um, there have been a lot of rumblings about the, the coaching staff uh, really going hard for, for Elliott. I think he's going to win out. I think Ramsey goes at three to the Chargers. I think Tunzel takes a little bit of a drop. And Elliott, they choose Elliott over Bosa or Spencer. Uh trading down or anything and i'd be happy with that selection too because he's a complete back yeah i think you know a lot of people are saying defense 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 including myself depending on the day or the hour or the minute because it's just been changed my mind has been changing because when you have such a high pick as a fan you, you, you see so many good players that you want but to me in my opinion ezekiel elliott helps immediately three things on this team for the Cowboys helps the defense. He helps Tony Romo and he also helps Des Bryant. He helps Des Bryant by that. won't be able to double Des Bryant as much as they'd like to, because they're going to have to commit one more man to the run defense helps Romo because I mean, we all saw what happened in 2014 with DeMarco Murray is his most, efficient year and his best year for a lot of people's opinions is when he had a steady run game you know when you're able to not have to carry the entire team on your back pun intended there 
um, things start to work out for you. So, yeah, I, I really think he's going to help a lot of things if they draft him. But mm, it just depends for me. I, I, I want them to get Jalen Ramsey or I want them to get Ezekiel Elliott. Chris, who would you like them to see pick at number four? Uh, I'm going to go with Ramsey. I think he takes a lot of pressure off the defense. It lets uh, oh, it it just adds more depth to the defensive backs. You know, lets people play their position, takes pressure off the offense too, for not need, having the score. Uh, I I just really want Ramsey. I think a defensive back would be a great pick. Well, yeah, there's a lot of certainly a lot of holes there in the defensive backfield. Go ahead, Russ. A lot of versatility that Ramsey will uh, bring in. You you can play him at corner. You can play him at safety. Um, when you bring in that extra D back, you, you maybe not so much worried about the coverage deficiencies because you've got guys like Ramsey and Jones out there instead of you know Jeff Heath. <laughs> you, you feel a little more, you know, safe. I think as a more comforting as a fan when you got a talent like that out there on third on third and long. He has he has such versatility that he can play right up on the line and as a linebacker. Oh yeah, dime situations. He can he can really his blitzing ability is really good. But I think I see him best as a safety. And there's a lot of talk that would you really want a safety that high? And my counter argument to that always is, if you love the player, if he's that high on your board, don't worry about where you pick him. Just pick him. You, know, you, can't, I, you can't get it. You can't get caught up, and that's that's too high of a price. Well, you know, I mean, I don't. Part of me just doesn't understand that these days. I think um, what we're seeing is a trend among fans. I've noticed over the soft season, they they tend to begin very dogmatic in these new orthodoxies regarding uh, draft philosophy. Right. You don't you don't think I'm running back that high because you just don't. Or you don't take a uh, safety that high or whatever, you know. Well, you, you can't just be so black and white, I think, in your, in, in your thinking. It's, it's not always an either-or situation. you got to evaluate each player on their individual merits and not just say, oh, it's a running back. Okay, we're not going to take him at four. Individual merits and also best player available isn't always what you're going to have. Because, I mean, you're not... If, if, for instance, if Laramie Tunzel's there at four, I mean, wouldn't you rather field some calls, see if anyone's going to trade up? Yeah. I, would, I, I definitely would. And depending on what people are offering, yeah, you would consider it. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's there's a lot of ways the Cowboys could approach this draft, but I to me, recent years gives me hope that they're not going to screw this up. And you can't screw up a number four pick, but well, <laughs> I'm saying you can't you you can't you can't do it. Uh, I mean, they could, but I'm saying you just can't do it. They can't afford to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but let's let's not just talk about the Cowboys here. Let's let's talk about this new draft order. That's <laughs> it's 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 kind of funny that the Rams and the Eagles, you know, they traded quarterbacks pretty much. And now we're back at this again. They are number one and two in the draft now. Rams traded up with the Titans. 
to get the number one overall pick. And the Eagles, well, they had traded with the Dolphins to get to number eight. And they went from number eight to number two with the Browns. And all signs are pointing to the Los Angeles Rams taking Jared Goff. What are your thoughts about that, Russ? Uh, I like Goff as a prospect. Um, he he came and they he, he didn't really play much in a pro style offense at Cal, but you definitely like uh, he's got the uh, he's got the height at least he's got the accuracy he's got the uh, the arm strength to make all the throws. Uh, Rams on their side they're gonna be, they're back in L.A. after a twenty two year hiatus. And uh, they're going to need that new guy to bring it in, the new face of the franchise, which is what Goff will be. Um, question, question, though, I have, though, is outside of Todd Gurley, they don't have a lot of talent at the skill positions. Their offensive line is okay at best. So it, it might be a little bit tough for a rookie coming in over the next few years to have substantial success because I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot around him. That's and that's the thing too is is I don't know if this was purely a football move to me. I think a lot of this was also a PR move. I mean, they can say it's purely a football move all they want, but with them moving to Los Angeles and not having a true face of the franchise, this was yeah. this was this was twofold. Of course, you want a quarterback. Of course, you need a quarterback. You haven't had a quarterback in a long time, so. Yeah, of course you're going to need a quarterback, but giving up what they gave up, I don't know. Yeah, I'm you, not you too sold on it. It's going to be tough. Uh, Tavon Austin is their best receiver right now, and he is—he's—he's he's not a number one guy. He's a versatile guy. He's a guy who can make, who can make plays, but he's not that consistent guy who's going to week in and week out go up against that top cornerback and. Um, you know, give your offense a chance to succeed. At least so far, he hasn't been. And then you go down to number two. All signs, if if, if the Rams take Goff, Eagles are reportedly in love with Carson Wentz. Well, what so they gave seems. up. <laughs> I mean, what do we what do we think of Carson Wentz going to the Eagles? Again, this is a guy that's probably not going to play his rookie year. And if he does, he's probably not going to be ready, and it means the Eagles are probably going to finish last in the NFC East. There's not a, there, it's it's a question over here. It's, there's not a lot of talent around there. You got a you have an often injured Ryan Matthews. You've got a questionable a questionable wide receiver core, decent tight ends, decent O line. Uh, they kind of struggled in the interior last year. Talented defense, but uh, when you when you line them up against all the other teams in the NFC East. If they're going to be starting a rookie quarterback, they're going to it's going to be pretty difficult for the Eagles. If they're not starting the rookie, then you have um, Sam Bradford, who seems quite disgruntled. If they if that's if that's the route that the Eagles choose, well, they have a lot invested in that in their quarterbacks already before this trade, and now they're going to have even more. And they already were without a second round pick, right? I mean, yeah. So, and they don't have a first-round pick next year, is that correct? Yep, that is correct. So if you're going to finish last in the NFC East this year, and then you're not going to have a first-round pick next year, I just don't see how you're going to build around that team. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. 
<laughs> yeah. This is, a, this is a typical Eagles move. You, you, I mean, hell, you think Chip Kelly is there, but he's not. <laughs> you, you, I'm wondering, like, a, what, what is the long-term plan here? It, it seems like they're going from year to year trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do next? What are we going to do for this year? What are we going to do for this year? And it seems like it's always changing. Uh, uh, the Eagles right now don't really have much of an identity as to who they are as an organization. Right. I, I just think you have to look at this long term and just like exactly to your point, they just seem to throw everything out the window every year. And all right, let's let's try this way. And it just doesn't work that way. It's been that way ever since they let go of Andy Reid. And, and they're kind of going back to that philosophy by hiring a Reid protege. Because for, for the long time, they were you, you had a pretty decent idea of what the Eagles were going to be about. And then they upended that with the hire of Chip Kelly and all that and all that disruption that he brought to that franchise. Two very two pretty good years to start off with, and then he basically ripped apart that roster that third year. And we all saw what happened last year. Well, I can tell you who the starting Eagles quarterback will be week one of the regular season, and it won't be Sam Bradford. It won't be Carson Wentz. It will be Chase Daniel. <laughs> Woo! Get ready, guys. Just get ready. And that's, honestly, it's probably the best thing for that team. But either way, it's kind of a mess there in Philadelphia, as per usual. So I don't know where they're going to go. Chris, what do you think of the Eagles moving up like that? you think they gave up too much? Do you think it's the right move if they need a quarterback? I mean, what do you think? Well, I think they gave up too much because they just seem out of it in the past few years, like you guys are mentioning. I, I really... Don't know what the hell they're doing. At least with the Rams, I, I actually disagree with you a little because I think uh, you have Todd Gurley there. You want to set him up with a, you know, quarterback for the future. You think he's the right guy? Go get him. It's a one big move. But Eagles have been doing this for a few years, trying to, you know, make something happen, and just keeps failing. Yeah, I I, I can see where you're coming from with that. I mean, especially. They're, they're a little bit younger with the Rams. They have a much better defense, and I, I just think there's a little bit more stability there. I, the one thing I don't like about the Rams is their head coach, Jeff Fisher. I, I don't know how he survived all this. I don't know how he survived the move to L.A. I, I think, to me, if you were going to go out there to L.A., just start everything fresh. If you want to get a new quarterback with a new coaching regime, this would have been the time. Yeah. Now, I would have agreed with this trade even more. And, and hey, if it works out for him, fine. That's cool. But I just think Jeff Fisher is one of the key things here that is is not the best thing for that team. He's, 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 his record proves that he's just, you know, mediocre at best. So I don't understand the Jeff Fisher thing. But we could go on and on about these two teams. So let's move on to the next team on the uh, draft order here. San Diego Chargers. So let's say Goff and Wentz are off the board. Best player available would dictate Laramie Tunsil. But I've seen a lot of people saying Jalen Ramsey goes here to number three. What do you think the Chargers are going to do, Russ? I'm going to project Jalen Ramsey to the Chargers. Um, I know Tunsil makes sense. Um, it's just stuff that I'm just stuff that I'm feeling. They've lost Eric Weddle in the off season. Yep. Uh, uh, they. Mutually parted ways. That wasn't gonna. He wasn't coming back under any circumstances, really. Uh, that that relationship deteriorated. Uh, Ra- he, Ramsey just makes too much sense for them in, in filling that hole. 
but they could they could go they could go the Tunsil route. I it's very possible. You 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 want that solid left tackle that'll protect Philip Rivers as he gets into the twilight of his career. So I would not be shocked at all if Laramie is the uh, pick, but I am going to lean towards Ramsey at this point in time. Wow! So <laughs> and then that would mean Tunsil would be on the board for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Now, would you trade back two spots to the Ravens? I'd, I'd have give to up, know. give up ton, get get Tunsil to the Ravens. What are we getting? Get there at six. What would you get? You would probably get a third, third rounder, right? Probably a third rounder to move down two spots. Odds are the Giants probably aren't going to trade up to five. I would gamble that. Yeah, you know, I, I would trade down to six, pick up a third, um, and then uh, take Elliot in that spot. I would definitely do that. At least you're picking up a third. I mean, that maybe that'll settle the – it probably won't, but maybe it'll settle some of the fans that are saying number four is too rich for running back, but I doubt it. But next on the list, number five here, Jacksonville Jaguars. And I, I really don't know where they're going to go. This is kind of a wild card for me because a lot of people are already mocking Ramsey to him, but let's say he does go number three. Let's say Tunsil goes four, five. Who do you have left? So Tunsil went at four to Baltimore in our scenario, right? Correct. Okay. All right. So, hmm. I'm going to say Bosa. Oh, God. All right. Well, good for them. (laughs) I won't even bother asking anybody else. Let's just move on. So at number six, (laughs) we'd have the Cowboys taking, you would say, Elliot. In this scenario, yeah. What do you think, Chris? Oh, man. Uh... So let's see. You would have... There's not a lot left for these top tier. I think it would be Elliot, to be honest with you. Yeah. With what's left, definitely Elliot. Now, here's a big wild card, because number seven... 49. Well, you know, Buckner might. That might not be a bad choice. Now, since we're on the topic, I mean, he. A lot of people see him as a three-four end. I do myself. But how would you feel about Cowboys getting Buckner, Russ? Uh, I have a. I have a pension. I, I like those. Like, I mean, going back to my earliest times as a Cowboy fan, or one of our defensive ends was Ed Tutal Jones. And he was about six foot nine, two hundred sixty pounds. Uh, you know, players get a little bit bigger since then. So Buckner is kind of almost like in that mode. He's not quite that tall, of course, but it's always fun to have like a big, imposing guy on the defensive end. The question is, is he going to have enough speed to be able to uh, hit, beat the corner, and be an effective pass rusher in our system? That's the question. I I, I just don't see it. I, I see him more as a three-four. If Wade Phillips was still running our defense, he'd be a tremendous pick. Yeah, Jerry. <laughs> well, I, I sent you guys in the group chat on Facebook the uh, the mock the draft I'm going by, and that's the Dame Brugger mock draft. We kind of made our own modifications already to it. So, let's say the Cowboys get Ezekiel Elliott at number six. Number seven would be the 49ers. Now, this is going to be a weird one. But Dane has him taking Miles Jack. I don't know. 
Mm, who knows what Chip Kelly's going to do? Well, that's the thing. I don't think Chip Kelly's going to have much power there. I think he'll be coaching, and that may not be the worst thing for the Niners because as long as you don't have him involved in the personnel, I I think they'll be okay, but I think it's going to be a pretty hard year for the 49ers either way. So would you need somebody that was going to make an immediate impact, or would you rather maybe get someone like Miles Jack? He may not play that much this year, but come 2017 – you could have another cornerstone of that defense there. So I don't know. What do you think? Uh, oh, man. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Buckner kind of makes sense there, too, because they still run that 3-4, and they could have two Oregon ends. Eric and Ar- yeah, Armstead. And, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Dolphins, though, I don't know. I don't know about the Dolphins. I don't know what you would do there. Well, that's currently Cleveland's spot, right? Oh, that's right. Well, is it? Yeah. Why is this so out of order? He he did a trade, or Miami trades back up to their old spot. Oh, man. Okay, I see it. Thanks, Dane. Thanks, Dane, for not <laughs> notating it right away. He notates it at the end of the, uh, yeah. Okay, I see it. Well, I mean, we could play out this whole entire first round, but... I don't know. This might be a little bit too time-consuming, guys. Um, Three-hour podcast. Yeah, let's let's kind of maybe let's 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 get to the top ten. Let's say that. Okay. So, so Browns would be at eight, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we got Jack. Doesn't really make sense. Um, hmm. <laughs> Now, who who do you think they need? I mean, what, what what position do you think they need? And I could probably tell you right away. They, they, have, they have a lot of needs. Well, there's been talk of um, Joe Thomas wanting to uh, move on from Cleveland, too. So they could go tackle here. They could so go, you Ronnie, think, they you could think go Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley, Jack Conklin. Uh, you know who I think they would take? Who's that? Laquan Treadwell. Okay. Give them a elite receiver. Maybe not in the first year, but maybe the next year. That's someone to build around to me. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Pro Football Focus had uh, Laquan Treadwell falling to 34. Yeah, in our dreams. <laughs> okay, so let's 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 try to move along here. We'll get out of this top ten, and we'll move on to something else because. Yeah, this is. We weren't as quite prepared for this as I wanted to be. I wanted to have a better, a better big board up here. So sorry about this, guys. But number nine, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are Tampa, their needs? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, um, they're secondary for one. That now could be. It, it, a lot of people are saying Hargraves, but is he the best corner there? I like personally, me, in my opinion, I like William Jackson better. But if you're going to go top 10, I'd say Hargraves is a good fit. Now, what do you think, Russ? Um, I, I like William Jackson in this spot. Okay. Yeah. Be a little like different. Me. Yeah. What do you think, Chris? Secondary for the Bucks. 
Uh oh. We have lost Chris. <laughs> oh. oh, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> Uh, man, I have no idea where they're going to go. Yeah, you see, this is why this was a bad idea on my part. <laughs> um, I think we'll just call it secondary and move on. Now, number 10, this is the one that I'm most interested in anyway, because I've already heard rumors that the Giants are not going to be taking offensive line there. No, they just took one last year in Eric Flowers. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's take a look. Let's take a figure could, could out. They, could they be in the running? For, well, would that make would that make sense if they had Treadwell there? They spent about a gazillion dollars this off season. Yeah. Uh, he could be a he could, if Treadwell's there, he could be a possibility. Uh, they could look at a guy like uh, Jack if he's still available. If Miles Jack is still on the board, that's definitely something they could look at. Uh, they could look at. Noel Spence, if they could, if it, if they feel okay with his off the field stuff, that's a good spot to trade down from. Yeah, Sheldon Rankins. The mock draft I'm looking at has them getting Elliot. Oh man, yeah. yeah, that would be a hell of a get for them. That's 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 who that's what I fear is going to happen if the Cowboys do not take uh, Elliot at four. I think he's going to go right to the Giants. And they're gonna kick our ass for the next five years. <laughs> if we don't, if we pass on Elliot, we'd have to like root for like the Browns or somebody to take Elliot or something. Oh god, I wouldn't wish that upon Elliot. Well, I mean, he'd be a star there, still staying in Ohio. <laughs> Ohio. All right, so I think we've about ran this topic into the ground. There's only so much mock drafts you could do. Um, <laughs> I've right. done about. A hundred, I think. Yeah, I've, I've done way too many. But, <laughs> yeah, let, let's let's move on to a little bit more exciting topic here. Um, Willem Dafoe, he was cast for Justice League. Now, the thing that comes to my mind when I hear that is, oh, what villain is he going to play? Well, according to the reports, he's not playing a villain. So, Chris... I'll defer to you on this, since you've had a little bit of time to think about this since he's been cast. Who do you think he's playing? I'll, give me at least three options. What do you think, man? Well, uh, I'm going to say Dr. Fate. I've seen that rumored. Yep. Um, it could just be some non-powered human. I'll go with that. My number two. Hmm. Who can he play? Um, there's not much he can play. I mean, he doesn't really fit into any heroes I know of. Yeah, I can't think of anyone. That's the thing with him. He's just so versatile. I, I don't know. He, he could play a lot of people, but Russ, who do you think? Uh, first thing I can think of is Martin Stein. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, uh, it's one half of Firestorm. That that's a possibility. Um, maybe Doctor Fate, like uh, Chris suggested, or yeah, it could be some generic, some generic uh, character that we haven't met yet. 
I've okay. seen a couple a couple rumors going around that he is uh, maybe not necessarily in the movie, but he's maybe well, maybe a voice, maybe like a CGI character, but he is a uh, brainiac, and he's like a good brainiac to start out, and then maybe he turns into the bad brainiac. I don't know, like as a Lex Luthor project. I just I don't really know where they're going to go with that. Another one is the High Father. That could mm. be another one. You know, it could be lining up to battle dark side. I just don't know. This this is a really weird one. I, mean, I was really happy to see that the uh, Justice League cast got J.K. Simmons, best known in the comic book world for playing J. Jonah Jameson in all the Spider-Man movies. But he was cast in Justice League, and he's going to be Commissioner Gordon. Chris, you think that's a good casting? I love the casting. Um, I mean, I would have liked... Uh few others but he's probably up there i mean i didn't i did not expect him to be cast as commissioner gordon so that was a huge shock but it, it fits because you know he he's just a damn good actor he'll make it work russ what do you think of that casting i'm sorry who, who's that again uh the guy that played J. Jonah jameson in the spider-man movies is gonna is been cast as commissioner gordon in justice league oh yeah he, he fits he fits but to uh, me, he's he's a great actor. He fits. I just want to know what his role is going to be. Like, what does Commissioner Gordon do in a Justice League movie? He says it was a small part. Yeah, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like a cameo kind of thing, right? Yeah, I, I bet he just shows up like a. If they take after the Justice League uh, comic book, the New Fifty Two, I think Gordon just shows up briefly when Batman's on the rooftops and they're chasing him down. Well, my question is, where the hell was Gordon when uh, Batman vs. Superman was going on? That's a big question that's going to be answered, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure we're not you know, going to get to see the big uh, Commissioner Gordon Dark Side showdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, watch Dark Side kill Commissioner Gordon. Oh, man. How about that? That, that could happen. <laughs> Since we're talking about it. And we haven't really recorded anything in a while. And we've all seen Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I'll start with Russ. What are your thoughts on that movie? Well, it wasn't a Marvel. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good night, everybody. (laughs) I liked it. it, But it definitely seemed like it was designed for the, uh, the hardcore comic book fan. Yep. Definitely so. So in that sense, I can kind of see where people who aren't comic book fans and were asked to review this movie can kind of be like a little, it might have felt a little, oh, what, what is this? Because there wasn't a lot of time spent too much on backstory. There were some assumptions that you knew what was, what was going on, that you had watched Man of Steel. Yep. Yeah, so if, if, if you're coming into it, blind and you didn't know what it was what was going to happen i could see how you could be lost but as a fan i I loved it i'd have to agree with you i loved the movie as well i do have a couple problems with it but i will uh let chris give us his thoughts on the movie first because i saw we've been prepping for this conversation for a while now go ahead russ okay i mean i saw the ending coming a mile away right anybody was familiar with the storyline you know, I was like, okay, this is what they're going with. 
so uh, prepare your popcorn. Um, no, we're not going to get hostile with each other, but we have some disagreements, and this is good for a podcast because if, if we're all just agreeing with each other and kissing each other's ass, that's a boring ass podcast. Let me tell you. True. So, Chris, let's give us your just your general overview of Batman v Superman. Uh, I hated it. Okay. You okay. <laughs> Trey, is that you? <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean I love it. I'm, the the problems with it that people say like the whole Martha thing and stuff like that. I mean they seem so small compared to just how great the movie was. You know, seeing the heroes come together. It's not the Superman we know and love. But uh, it's a different take on him, and I, I just I'm not caught up on you know him having to be just like Kareem or something like that. I uh, I thought they uh, it, it definitely feels like an Elseworld universe, but uh, I thought it was great. I mean, I'm not hung up on you know Batman killing and stuff like that. I just really enjoyed it. I re- really I, I really don't care about the faults. I think they're small. Very small. I have a couple of issues with the movie. They're not, they don't take away from the movie to me. I just think I would rather see things a little bit, go, go a little bit differently. Uh, one of them, just, it, it, it's not exactly, you have to redo the whole character, but to me, there's not enough. Superman they don't show him being completely selfless until the very end when he sacrifices himself against doomsday, which that's cool. I like, I really dig it. But to me, the only time I see him with a sense of urgency to save somebody in that movie was when Lois was either falling or in danger. But when they show him saving people in different montages through the movie and stuff, I mean, I, I, Maybe it was just for dramatic type sense, but he didn't look very, um, he didn't look happy to be there. He looked and burdened. Yes. I, and to, to me, yes, it's it, it's a burden on him to have to do all this stuff, but mm. there's, there has to be just a, a slight bit of it. Maybe just like, I'm here, we're going to get this done, let's do this, sense of urgency. Like, it doesn't have to be, hey, I'm happy Chris Reeve here. I, I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, to me, he's he, there's, he's an ideological character of and it's Superman, and the, what I always liked about Superman is that he was always for the greater good, no matter what. And that's that, that transcends every evolution of that character, where you go from the early days to the Chris Reeve days, to even Smallville up until now, he was always, you know, he was always better than, he was always, he was an alien that was more human than the humans as far as being selfless. And and in this take, to me, they're, they're trying to almost humanize him a little too much. And the fact that the one line that I hate in that movie is that he, he tells Lois, nobody stays good forever. But you do, Superman. You always were for the greater good, and that that line to me, it just it just struck a nerve with me. I don't get it because that he was always a selfless type of Superman, and I think he's going to get there. I think he's I really do, but I would have rather seen him be there already. 
Do you see what I mean, Chris? No, I agree with you. I think him being the Superman we expected, I, I think he's going to grow to that. That's the whole, if he never like becomes that in Justice League or and further, then I think it's been a waste. But I honestly feel like there's been a pro- progression from Man of Steel to Batman v Superman, and then we're going to finally get, you know, the hero, the Superman we expect. But uh, to please everyone, the critics and everything, I, I probably would have made a made him jump there in this movie. Uh, it probably was a mistake if you're trying to launch a universe. But, you know, personally, I I enjoyed it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the biggest worry I have about these movies is they're great for us, but in order for them for to keep making them, they have to be somewhat great for everybody it's a it's a four quadrant movie here and i don't necessarily want the typical marvel formulaic paint by the numbers type movie but i mean there has to be some aspect of that of of you know pleasing everybody in some way i think that would have been one of them that would have been one thing that i could change about that movie is more superman less everyone's against me it's a burden to save you guys i don't know what do you think russ I think that maybe that whole scene where he sacrifices himself to Doomsday is going to be that cathartic moment where we kind of get that. I think what Chris was kind of alluding to. Um, I, I, I like a little bit of nuance to the Clark Kent character. So, it, it, you know what, it, it, made it, it made him seem, you know, relatable, I guess. I don't know if that's something you want to do with Superman, but... I, I I had no issue with the portrayal. If anything, you know, maybe there was not a lot. If there was anything I would change, is I would have appreciated more backstory on Batman. And how do you, how did he get to this point? And I know that may be coming in a future movie. So I, th- I think that's what we're getting in a future movie. I think that's what's really cool about it is, and if you guys haven't heard. Um, it was officially announced by Warner Brothers that Ben Affleck is going to direct, write, and star in a solo Batman film. And apparently, at least part of it, is going to be a prequel to the events of Man of Steel. And I think there's a whole lot they could dive into there. Because, I mean, they showed, yeah. they showed that Robin suit in the movie and, and the trailer. And they didn't talk about it in the movie. Anyway, let's move on. But they... There's a lot they can get into there. I, I, Joker obviously killed Robin. We don't know which Robin. We don't know. We don't know at all yet. But there's a lot to get there because that that was a Batman in that movie, which I love that portrayal. But at the same time, it seems like for 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 a lot of it until until he realized that Superman was actually just an ordinary guy, so to speak. It just had a mom just like him. Um, until he was able to humanize Superman again, up until that point, he just didn't give a shit. I mean, yeah. he was he was just wrecking shit, and that's that. I mean, that is Batman to a sense, but not the Batman we necessarily know. And I love the portrayal of him, just a broken down, beaten guy. And I don't know. I mean, what do you think got him to that point? Since we can talk, we can kind of speculate about it now. I mean, do you think it was the Joker? killing robin do you think it was 
That's maybe, how I saw it. Maybe yeah. Commissioner Gordon leaving? I yeah. Mean, I, I, go ahead, Chris. Uh, it just feels like something like a reaction to Joker, you know? Because why else wouldn't he just kill kill the Joker if uh, he, he was, uh, like, you know, he had given up already? So it makes it feel like he's the cause of it. And it kind of reminds me of the, you know, what he went through after Jason Todd died. He was going through some problems and he was he wasn't acting himself. And it took uh, Tim Drake to kind of talk with him, try to convince him, you know, the, you know, come back to normal. So that's what it feels like to me. What do you think, Russ? I'm, I'm very interested to see how he, we get to that point with uh, Ben Affleck's portrayal of Batman particular character um hopefully maybe we'll get some snippets maybe some easter eggs that kind of hint at what happened in suicide squad i'm hoping that there's maybe something there that i i I think there may be yeah i think there's going to be quite a few flashbacks in that movie more than people think i think we might also see i think there's going to be a lot of batman in that movie and i think a lot of it's going to be maybe how he captured him yeah, and I was wondering about Suicide Squad, uh, Harley Quinn, in, for example. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if the Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad is pre-Joker contact or post-Joker contact, and if they're going to change the story up there. I think it's post, because I think the whole point, I mean, this is just speculation, we don't know yet. I think the whole point of Joker being in the Suicide Squad movie is so he can wreck whatever the plans they got going. You know, okay. I think... I think I think him showing up is he's going to try to win Harley back. And, okay, um, yeah. From them, you know. What, what, I mean, what do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, kind of like the animated movie, which was really good. I don't mind them taking you know inspiration from that. But yeah, the flashbacks seem to indicate that this takes place after you know he created her. Yeah, because okay. they show they show her like falling in a vat of acid. And then Joker and her both like he's like holding her like she was drowning or something. He's they're like coming up from a vat of acid. So somehow she gets thrown in there or something happens. And this is kind of the worst speculation we could have because you know what? Warner Brothers is actually doing the marketing right for this movie. We don't know a whole lot about this movie. And where I can maybe maybe we'll all agree here is Batman v Superman, they showed a lot. And we didn't realize it until we saw the movie, but they showed a heck of a lot. One yeah, thing that really we could did. have gone without actually seeing, I think we could have actually heard, we could have heard his roar or something, is Doomsday. I don't think they should have showed that. I think they could have left that for the movie, and that would have been great. They could have, they could have had this roar or something, and we all would have guessed it by then, but they showed every story beat in the movie in each one of those trailers you know if you spread them all together you have every story beat for the movie i think that was a mistake uh what are your thoughts on that chris i wonder you even had doomsday in the movie you know i I love the movie but he was the weakest part of the whole movie so showing him in the trailer i don't know they really shouldn't have done that (laughs) yeah i i what bugged me the most is they showed that Robin suit in the trailer, and I thought, oh, 
cool. We're going to hear something about this suit. Like, what's up with this suit? Why is this suit there? Why is this possible Joker spray painting on there? What is this? I'm like, cool. So they showed us. That means they're going to explain it in the movie, right? Right? <laughs> right? No, they didn't. They just won the shot. There. And what I'm really interested to see is is the extended R-rated cut of this movie. I, I want to see. There's got to be more because some of the editing and the pacing of the movie is like kind of like flip-flopped in certain places, which is like, for instance, they show Batman pulling that tarp off the bat signal, getting ready to fight Superman. And then all of a sudden they switch to Diana Prince, Wonder Woman, looking at this little flash drive of all the, all the uh, metahumans. Like, how do you go from, all right, let's get this fight over with. We're going to, we're going to see Batman, Superman fight. Holy shit. It's happening. Bam! Go to seeing Diana in her little apartment, looking at like that didn't make any <laughs> sense to me. There's a lot of weird little cuts like that that I think this movie is, you know, garnering the extended cut. And when you when you have to put it out that way, why didn't they just put out the extended cut? I mean, in the theaters, I don't understand. Yeah, what what exactly was left on the cutting room floor? You know, I don't know. But the, yeah. if you read any articles about it, the original the original cut was four hours long. Damn. So there's some footage on there that we have no idea. That's another aspect I wanted to touch with uh, Chris and you, Russ. Uh, Chris, what would you think of like the actually them being called metahumans? That's pretty badass. Um, yeah. What would you think of them, their little cameos in the movie? Would you, have, would you have done it like that? Would you have done it a little different? Like, would you have actually had more than one of them show up eventually? Or were you okay with like kind of seem like the forced way into it with videos. Uh, it probably wouldn't have been the way I would have done it, but I'm not as like, uh, you know, I don't think it's as bad as some people are saying. Some people basically said it was a uh, wonder woman going through, uh, three different sizzle reels of upcoming movies for the DC. <laughs> and, That's uh, funny. No, I, it's I, not that I bad. I argue that it kind of looks like that, but, uh, I think they could have worked it in a little better, but I still enjoyed it. I mean, I love seeing the flash and I think the, the flash, uh, going through the time port or whatever looked a little cooler. They should have just left it at that. But, uh, yeah, I think they should have worked it in a little better. Well, what, see, there's a lot of, this is where it was really made for hardcore fans here is they had flash come through that little time portal. And he was like in this exosuit. Like, if, if you're introducing the character, just have him in his normal suit, make his little little lightning bolt on his chest kind of prominent, so yeah. the fans know who he is. Because I've talked to some people that I saw the movie with, and they didn't necessarily know that was Flash right away. Now, we all knew, but come on, you're introducing that character, and how badass would that have been just to see, like, the full suit, even if it isn't a final suit, but just see that symbol fans would have really known who that was. So yeah. And, and one more thing on these little introduction to characters, they were really going to have to figure out how to do this because you could see Jason Momoa was holding his breath there. and That ain't going to look very cool in an Aquaman movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I assume they're, they're going to fix it up with CG yeah. and stuff. They just didn't want to, you know, waste the yeah. time, I guess. On, <laughs> right. Maybe. So, Russ, what do you think of all those cameos? I mean, to me, 
when I saw it with the fan screen the first time, each little cameo, the crowd went nuts. They were cheering like it was a football game. So oh, what was your cool. reaction? Uh, it was kind of those little exclamation mark moments, kind of like uh, kind of a mark out moment there. Um, so the only thing about the, the Flash, for example, and a thing we've kind of talked about before is, man, I really would like to see Grant Gustin in the movies. I think he, I think he's uh, one of the better portrayals I've seen of the Flash. I agree, and I yeah. think if if I could have had one character crossover from TV, I mean, one actor, it would have been him. Like Stephen Amell's cool and all, but his acting's not the greatest. And but Grant is awesome. It's being kind, Flash. and it makes sense. <laughs> being kind, <laughs> it makes sense. You can still keep the universe separate and still have Grant Gustin show up. Yeah, he's the one character that could cross over like that with a multiverse. Yeah. But, I mean, come on, guys. They're calling them metahumans. That that crossed over. You didn't always yeah. call them metahumans. They weren't always called metahumans. Yeah. So think about that. There, there still may be something in the works. Now, Chris and I listened to Kevin Smith quite a bit, and he did mention that there's stuff they couldn't talk about on that uh, TV special they did it with Jeff Johns. We may see some multiverse action yet. So we saw a little bit of it with Supergirl and and uh, the Flash. Yeah, but I mean crossing over from TV to cinematic. Yeah, I think okay. there may still be some of that left. So I'm not well, sure how they would to, do it. He seems to be hinting at, at it that a lot. Yeah, in the few talks. And the weird thing is, he also brought up Supergirl, which after the Flash, I guess he had uh, directed the Flash recently. Yep. And uh, from there, he had brought up like Supergirl that uh, you know it's going to be crazy, which I assume has to do deal with the multiverse. And then if you've watched uh, Supergirl, at the very end, something happens—a big cliffhanger. And I, it just feels like now because of Kevin Smith, it just feels like it has to do with the multiverse. But it's going to be kind of weird. Is it? Is the cliffhanger have anything to do with crossing over with TV or cinematic? Uh. uh you want me to just say it? <laughs> you know what? Go ahead and just say it. What do you think, Russ? Is it cool? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, at, at the end, uh, you know, the, the story finishes up, whatever. And then uh, Martian Manhunter and Supergirl see a spaceship flying through the sky. So they go and follow it. They land there. They walk up to it, and it's a ship. And Supergirl notices it's a Kry- Kryptonian ship. And uh, they're all kind of looking at it kind of weird. And she opens up the hatch. And she, you just see her uh, point of view looking inside, and then she says, oh, my God, or something like that. Like, she's surprised, and that's where it cuts. Huh. So, I'm sure you've been following it, but what is your speculation on that? Power Girl? Hmm. You know, Supergirl awesome. from another universe? That would be awesome. What are the fans thinking? Same thing? Uh, I've seen some weird... Uh, theories, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> theories like crypto? Oh, yeah. God, that'd be fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> He's just all... <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be the biggest troll move ever. <laughs> I, know, right? uh, I don't know. But do we think... it? Now, they haven't officially... They still haven't officially confirmed Season 2, though, right? Oh, no, it's not wrong. They, they have I thought they did. They well, Les Moonves, the president of CBS or CEO, whatever, 
don't know his exact title. He did talk about it. There's still no official confirmation. And that's he one show all, I would like to see get renewed for sure. He says all shows, new shows will be returning. And, but the, uh, the producer for Supergirl was wondering, like, I hope that means us. But that even they weren't sure. Huh. Well, I'm sure they would get a spot right in CW pretty easily. Yeah. When they uh, end Arrow. <laughs> uh, one of the other theories is what if it's Superboy oh I wouldn't like that but I guess that could work but isn't Superboy usually a clone though yeah a clone of Superman and Lex think but, Lex or if, if we have you know like, like a multiverse kind of thing where you have like the two one pod gets knocked off track and the other one shows up like it normally does what if she's yeah. her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For people watching the Supergirl show, uh, one of the weakest points of the... It seems to have a lot of potential, but one of the things that absolutely killed the show was the fact that there were more than one Kryptonian. And to bring in another one was kind of a letdown. And the only thing keeping me optimistic is Kevin Smith bringing up Supergirl and... How crazy it's going to be, right? Yeah. Well, he knows something that he's just dying to tell us. I can tell. Because he keeps hinting at it. So, we shall see. Um, So, Arrow, are we all just about done with that show? Or I know I personally am. I'm going to wait till the season's over to catch up on it. I'm about three behind. And yeah, I, I just I don't know what to think of that show. What I mean, <laughs> let's let's hear it, Chris. Uh, I'll still be watching Felicity and Friends, but <laughs> I I just uh, yeah, I I mean it's it's been letdown after letdown. Even every now and then they have like one or two good episode, and then it's right back to I don't know. so. We can all just pretend that Arrow ended at season two, right? Because <laughs> that was perfect. That was a great season. It was. I don't know what to think about that show right now. I'm Personally, I've stopped watching it. I'd rather go get caught up with Gotham than watch Arrow right now. That's how, that's how much I don't care about that show anymore. <laughs> it, it just really lets me down. I, I hope it doesn't start turning that way on Flash. Because Flash is just perfect, man. Aren't I'm a they bit... going to switch producers? They say they're going to switch. The Arrow producers are going to switch over to Flash, and the Flash producers are going to switch over to Arrow next season. Well, pack it in, boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm a bit of a completionist, so I kind of, you know. Same here. I have yeah. to finish it no matter what. <laughs> I, I've taken a break from it. We're, we're, you know, me and Arrow, we're on a break right now, but um, we'll be back together soon enough. I just don't know, man. Like Elicity. <sighs> All right, this fucking podcast is over. <laughs> oh, Elicity. And that's a whole other. I mean, you want to talk about a four hour podcast? Let's talk about those Elicity fans with their Twitter bots and shit. That is, they got some mental, like, they're going mental, man. Like, Chris knows exactly what I'm talking about. They will, they have Twitter bots on Twitter to spam the hashtag Elicity to get it trending terrible and they they even had rumors going around that 
Stephen Amell was cheating on his wife with the chick that plays Felicity, and they have this whole weird, like, sick fan fiction in their head about those two in real life. It just it freaks me out, man. And like I had to stop. I had to stop researching some of this shit because it goes down a deep, dark path, and it's called Tumblr. <laughs> well, it, it, it sounds like what like the thirteen-year-old girls would do. Yes, back, and, and that's that's the thing. They, that's what these writers have been catering towards is those fans. And I got to tell you guys, there's a whole lot more than those fans that make up the fan base of that show. It started out as a show that transcended demographics. I mean, it was hitting with people that you would never think would watch a comic book show. I mean, people way older. I mean, like, even in their 60s, I've heard watching this show. And then now it's just catered. It's 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 devolved into a typical CW, CW show. Yep. So I that bothers me. Will it get back on track? I don't know. Mr. Terrific is supposedly going to be a, C- a series regular now. I mean, which is the only good news I've heard. Yep. I like uh, his character. That's that is terrific, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a long road to go with these shows. Even Legends of Tomorrow was kind of petering off a little bit. But I still have faith in that show. How long do you sustain with ultimately just a team up show? You know, that's the thing. I would make the seasons shorter for them. Yeah, there's that, and then um, at this point, we're kind of just waiting for this whole Vandal Savage storyline to just wrap itself up already. I'm kind of tired of Vandal Savage. Yeah, and if that's what everyone was worried about at the beginning, like how long can you keep trying to get kill Vandal Savage? I mean. You know it's going to drag on to the next season. I mean, you know it. Oh, God. Just introduce Booster Gold and be done with it. Everyone will love it. Introduce Booster Gold. Introduce Constantine to that show. Everyone. Just put everyone on the show. Well, you could you could rotate people a lot on that show. That's, that's, that's when I saw that show initially, I thought the possibilities for this show are endless because – you could rotate all kinds of different cameos, even even characters that don't have shows. You know, you could just throw them in there. Like, hey, yeah. we have rights to this character for the TV universe. Let's throw them in for a couple of episodes. That's where I see that show going. That's how you could sustain that show to me is set them up in different time periods and focus on those time periods. One of my favorite Legends of Tomorrow shows is where they go to, what was it, 2046 Star City? Oh, I like yeah. that one. Yeah. That was awesome, man. That was so cool to see, quote, Connor Hawk, a.k.a. Uh, Diggle's son. That was cool, man. That was really cool. I wanted a whole series of that because I was like, holy shit, Arrow is back to its roots again. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's what was cool about it. So there's a lot of places that show could go. And the you, are, you guys are right, though. The Vandal Savage shit is – it's getting old, but – I really dig the guy that plays Vandal Savage. I think he does a good Vandal Savage, but man, it's just like, oh, drats, lost you again, type of shit. <laughs> yeah. At some point, it's it's almost like a, uh, you know, Saturday morning cartoon show in a lot of ways. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I see what you guys are saying about it, though. So I tend to agree with it. I mean, I like the episode a couple episodes back where they went to like uh, 
the twenty second century. Yeah, I, I like. Yeah, yeah, I like. I like that one. The just the the time travel stuff is awesome, man. Uh, they, there's that's possibilities that they could just keep going with, but the whole point of them having to time travel because of Vandal Savage, holy shit, man! Like the, the dude just pops up everywhere, and it's like, yeah, it makes sense because he's he's immortal, but. Come on. <laughs> how far can you go with it? Um, and how far can we go with this topic? I don't know. So let's move on, guys. We're all caught up on season two of Better Call Saul. And I'm going to turn this over to Chris because he'll have a little bit more to say about this because he had just recently binge-watched Breaking Bad. So... Let's hear it, Chris. Let's hear what you think of Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? No, Breaking Bad. <laughs> Let's start uh, there first. It started off a little slower than I expected it, especially because yep. everyone was uh, hyping it up to be one of the best shows ever. And uh, But they were saying this like toward the end of the series, so it makes sense because as it ramps up, you realize just how crazy the episodes get. It's a and slow burn, yeah. Yeah, once you're into it, yeah. it's like it's pretty crazy. I mean, just every episode, I just kept wanting the next, the next one. I didn't want it to end. Oh, I, and uh, what did you think of the ending? Oh, uh, uh, I, I wish I don't know. I'm, I like the whole thing with Jesse, how he kind of saved them. Yep. And even though, you know, Jesse knows that uh, he was fucked over, they still were able to, like, just kind of, like, give a nod to each other. And I thought that was good. And then he just kind of took off, went crazy being free, you know. And then, you know, Walt dying. Uh, I, I, it was good. I, I enjoyed the ending. Far Cry from... Uh hearing that it was the worst ending ever yeah i was, i uh, my dad had told me like oh it's, i hated it <laughs> but i so i expected it to be not good but i actually enjoyed it a lot it, it, it could have been a worse ending he could have uh, met up with a star child and had three choices <laughs> okay mass effect <laughs> oh man don't don't spoil it man he hasn't played those games yet what <laughs> eventually one day someday but after that i was happy you finished it because i was like yeah man he did it he did it but then a little show called better call saul was about to come on and i was like come on man come on man watch it come on man and finally you got caught up on better call saul season one so before we get into season two what do you think is better call saul Man, it all seems like one season to me, so because I binge, right? I binge and uh, but uh, in the first season, I, I I really enjoyed the whole you know him starting out as like a lawyer, and then the thing with his brother, and uh, just seeing you know him in the little uh, shop, at the nail salon or whatever. Right. It was it was cool to see that character, and oh, and you know the start of each season. Kind of seeing in the future where he is now. I, I love those. Yeah, uh, that's, that's what I really like about that show. They, it seems to be 
like on a level where Breaking Bad kind of ended and they kind of ramp up right away. Like they've perfected this formula for those type of shows. And it, it seems to be like just ramping up a lot quicker than Breaking Bad did. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's getting, I'm, yeah. It's getting to the, you know, you know, the stuff quicker. Yeah, it's it's we're we're in the we're in the meat of it now. Like we're not we're not wasting time <laughs> picking at it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. we're in it now. It, it's this show is it, it's really proven how much a uh, a sibling can hate a, another sibling. I guess um, <laughs> because holy shit, does Chuck is a great villain, and boy does he hate Jimmy. Like he really just hates him. And you go back to this season of season two where they show the flashback of. Uh, Jimmy coming over for dinner to have dinner with uh, Chuck and his wife. And then Chuck ends up, you know, making his wife laugh and just being more down to earth and being a cool dude. And she was like still laughing about um, Jimmy when they were like in Chuck and his wife were in bed together. And then Chuck tries to make a joke kind of this along the same, same lines of Jimmy and, didn't work out too well, did it? <laughs> no. Yeah. And I thought that's, you know, that was it. Like, they talked about the him with the shop, you know, uh, with his father, with, uh, oh, you know, that, that was with the great, wife. And that then, scene was awesome, by the way, that flashback. Yeah. To the little convenience store they had. Oh, my God, yep. that was cool. I mean, there's so much we could cover with this show, but I think where I want to get at it the best here is... The uh, the final two episodes where, you know, episode nine, episode ten, where Jimmy ends up changing the uh, the paperwork for filing for the uh, Mesa Verde uh, bank. You know, they're going to expand in Arizona, and he totally screws over Chuck. But I mean, do you guys agree with that? Was it wasn't the exact right thing to do, but. I mean, were, were were you guys rooting for Jimmy there to uh, get that back for Kim? In a way, yeah, I kind of was. I and I was rooting for him to not get caught, but then he ends up confessing anyway. So, yeah, that was the thing where I I was like, "Holy crap, Chuck is a great villain!" Because he went through the like <laughs> Jimmy went through a, like a lot of shit to get that done. Yeah, but he did. Chuck went through way. <laughs> way more to ultimately get Jimmy confess. I mean, you want to talk about the long game. That was the true long game. I mean, he ended up putting all this, like the space blanket material on in the house up and just totally playing it up that this one little mistake would bother him that much. And then it just turned out, nope, just troll anybody. Just wanted you to confess, bro. And yeah, he when he went confessing. into the garage, I knew he was up to something. Yeah, especially when they what? showed him grab. I'm like, what? What I noticed about that scene is like when he goes in there and he kind of like stands up straight. I was like, was he just faking this shit the entire time? And partially, I think he is in a way. I think he can get away with when when he when when necessity is the mother of all. Well, yeah, not, not invention here, but just getting past some of your your fears here. When it comes down to it, he can totally go to any kind of electrified room without giving a shit if he's like laser focused on something. 
and there when he started walking up straight i was like man is he just faking this is he gonna have like this stash of electronics in the garage that we don't know about and kind of it worked out that way but really he was just getting a tape recorder and jimmy confessed the entire thing but i think the only person in the world that could have conned old slip and jimmy there was his brother and he really did it now what do we think is going to happen with that tape any any takers um show it to kim Ooh, that would be worse than turning him in for a felony to me yeah, yeah, because because Kim is nowhere in the picture by the time we get to Breaking Bad, obviously. Right, that's true, but she also knew. She knew about it. She did know about it, especially <laughs> when she, they're both laying in bed, and she tells him about any kind of loose ends, anything, anything, and then she says it like three times, and then all of a sudden Jimmy gets up and runs off. So she knows he had to go clean that mess up. She knows he did it. Yeah. So how much well, would how, how much would showing that tape change her mind? You know what I mean? With uh, Kim not showing up in Breaking Bad, I think she's going to be showing up in one of those uh, future uh, flash forwards. Oh, right. She could, yeah. That would be messed up. <laughs> one of those days, she just wants, she says, hey, I'm going to buy a Cinnabon. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. And what was her, her fake? She had another fake identity, too. So, yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know. Or, There's a, or maybe, or Maybe the reason why Kim's not there is she, at some point in time, she has to utilize the services of the guy that makes people disappear. Oh, right. And they have to split up. I still think she gets with Hamlin. <laughs> that guy's a dick. But he was really nice to her at the end, though. In yeah. His, in his own uh, way. No, I don't know. There's a whole lot of places the show could go. But main thing that interests me is uh, the whole Mike subplot in this show. And that's really the most more interesting thing, in my opinion, in the show, is Mike and his dealings with the Salamanca family and so forth. And he was all set to kill Hector there in that finale. And he could have done it. And, you know, he didn't have quite a clean shot, but he still would have eventually had one if he stayed there long enough. But someone put a stick on his car and, jammed it against the horn and left a note that says don't and i to me in my opinion here i I, it it all all signs point to it being gustavo fring or one of his associates doing that for him probably one of his associates but to me what hector did to gustavo in the past as we see in the flashbacks in breaking bad there's no way gustavo wants anyone anyone else to kill you know hector but him that makes sense to you guys? Yeah. That, is, that makes sense. So I'm pretty excited to hopefully see Gus in season three. That'll be pretty awesome. That would be. Well, when when the show was first launching, they were talking to the actor. I forgot his name offhand, but yep. uh, the, the, the actor who plays Gus. And uh-huh. uh, they said that they were choosing between uh, Better Call Saul or a Gus prequel. Yep. And... Uh, Ever since then, I I, I I wanted the Gus prequel. I, I I think he's really interesting character. His background seemed pretty cool, you know. The, and those flashbacks, there was still more to him that they weren't even showing there. And well, for him, the yeah, so him now, it, that'll be really interesting. Well, the amount of flashbacks they can do in this show, maybe they can crank it up a little bit further. 
you know, kind of like Arrow going back to the island all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I would, I would love to go back uh, to the uh, island, so to speak, and see more of Gus's story and how he came to power. Maybe they can yeah. kind of shoehorn that in more and more and more. And maybe this show only lasts three seasons, four seasons, and then the next show they do could be a Gus show. I don't know. We that'd just don't awesome. know. That, that'd be – I don't know if that would be a sure hit, but <laughs> – I think that'd be yeah. pretty cool. The neo-Nazi show. No, no, no. Oh, like those guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's going to be hard to make a neo-Nazi biker gang look sympathetic. Well, let's, uh, we'll just make a Sons of Anarchy spinoff then. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, Gus showing up will be pretty cool. I mean, this show is – there's a lot about this show that I love, so – I don't have any complaints about the show, and I like that it's only 10 episodes. I mean, that's how a lot of TV shows could benefit from that nowadays, to me. 10 episodes, 12 episodes, something like that. I hope we see more of that, because you get a lot. To me, you get better stories and less filler. It's just better quality all around. Mm -hmm. So, another show's coming back tonight, guys, before we wrap it up here. Game of Thrones. Who's all ready for that? Me. Well, what, what is this show now? I've never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> Song of Fire and... Oh, wait. Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, I am pumped. It's a little, It's like a low-budget indie show. I mean, you got to kind of get in the mood for it. And I mean, the special effects aren't very good. Acting's not very good. But, I mean, if you see past those things, it's a pretty decent show. Well, as long as they don't kill off any of my favorite characters in no, no, they don't. They don't really do that in this show. They kind of <laughs> everybody kind of just shows up, so you know, don't worry about it. No, cool. seriously, guys, Game of Thrones tonight. Um, if you're not caught up, I'm not caught up. I'll get caught up, but <laughs> um, I, I've been caught up for like years now since I finished that last book, <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah. yeah, everyone's hyped for that tonight. Um, Brave I, New World. It's a post books era, so we're, we're going to see where we're headed. What are books? <laughs> what are these things called books? Well, that's, you download that's, them. That's one thing we can look forward to. Um, me, not so much because I got to get caught up. Another show that's coming out though in July, and I guess we'll wrap it up here is uh, Mr. Robot season two comes out July. Is everybody ready for that? Yep, ready for that one too. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I have no clue where they're going to go with it, which is exciting. Uh, there's Why? some crazy stuff at the end. Like There's a lot of crazy After stuff. After the, the credits, end. that was the craziest part, I think. Because they, uh, they know who Elliot is. You know? Yeah. So they're on to his ass. And I guess one more show that I'll talk about, which I, you need to watch, so I won't spoil. But I think Russ is caught up. Is Colony? Are you caught up on that, Russ? Yep. Um, the finale was. Ugh, I had a little bit of mixed reaction to it because some of it was kind of meh, but it ended really cool. Uh, are you looking forward to season two? Oh yeah, yeah. They, they left it on a cliffhanger, like I figured they would. So I guess we'll leave it on a cliffhanger here and to say, Chris, uh, get caught up on Colony, man. It's a show about ants, right? Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, on National Geographic, but um, 
they leave it on, they they leave it on a literal cliffhanger where two ants are trying to hold on for dear life so they won't fall. <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was a uh, reboot of the uh, DreamWorks movie from 1999. Oh my god, oh. <laughs> ants! <laughs> <laughs> ants with a Z. Yeah, because that's radical, dude. All right, guys. Anything else left to add here? Any any kind of final thoughts you want to get in? Because we're surely going to be doing a couple more of these because the draft is coming. <sighs> Uh, Minion needs to stop hating on Batman v Superman. That's it. I'm done with that. Well, yeah. it's, it's a terrible movie, guys. I don't know what to tell you. That is like so March. <laughs> yeah, that movie came out. What, what is that? No, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm looking forward to the DC Cinematic Universe. I'm looking forward to what Marvel Cinematic Universe brings to the table. And I guess, damn it, we can't end it quite yet. So if y'all got to go, too bad. We're not over quite yet i got one more thing to add i got one more theory and prediction that i'm going to make that dr strange trailer came out did y'all like it y'all see it i have not i have not seen it yet okay well when you watch it you're going to notice it's unlike any marvel movie you've seen um it, it it looks like they're going to start bringing a whole different element to the marvel movies but to me my prediction is they're doing this for a couple of reasons. They're going to start merging universes, and they're going to they're going to start actually merging companies, or at least getting them on a contract. Because now, whether we like it or not, things are ramping up with the DC, and they have to really bring their cards to the table as far as getting shit on point for uh, their business. So possibly with the addition of Doctor Strange, we might be able to see merging universes and we might see maybe, 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 which I don't know if Chris thinks will happen. We might start to see X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What do you think, Chris? I don't think Fox will go for it, but I think that they're setting it up. So that is the case. They brought up uh, Doctor Strange opening other worlds. It yep. fits in with that. And, uh, I just don't know if Fox is that desperate. They're doing really well with these movies, the last movie in particular. But is it just desperation on Fox's part? Or is it also not desperation, but a good business plan on Marvel Studios' part? Because if they end up doing Avengers versus X-Men, that would blow any movie out of the water, man. Think about it. Yeah, that would be awesome. What do you think of that theory, Russ? It's it's not a bad theory that it's plausible for sure. I I, I always thought that Doctor Strange would be also another further bridge into the uh, the Infinity War um, movies that are coming up. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be a hell of a ride for uh, comic comic book fans. So, I mean, I wish people would get off the whole DC versus Marvel crap because both of the all of these companies have to make something decent to good to financially feasible for each of these companies for us to continue to get these movies because if they start putting out duds and just average movies then the the genre is going to burn out and people are it's going to go away for a little while so we don't want that so even if you're a D, if even even if you lean towards dc or marvel you should at least want the other company to make something good so this whole yeah. dc versus marvel crap it's it's child's play it's really got to go I, I'm holding out for the Image uh, Comics universe. Yeah. 
That'll never happen. No, never say <laughs> never. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, for Russ, Chris, I'm Steven. We'll be back at you later this week to be talking some more draft talk, and I'm sure some crazy crap's going to happen, but you can visit us on cleatsandcapes.com. You can find us on iTunes under Cleats and Capes. Have a good night, everybody. Close it.